Yes, people, it is time for this week's Echo Chamber. And as we do, we will take a look at the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 15th to the 18th of Mar- April. I mean, it's in March. No, it's April, right? Um, so at number 10 is Morbius, Sony's new, um, you know, entry to the Spider-Verse, as it were, right? So this is directed by Daniel Espinosa, written by Matt Sazama, Burke Sharples, and um, adapted from the Roy Thomas comic books. We've got Jared Leto as Michael Morbius, Michael Keaton's up in the joint. We got uh, Adria Ajona, Jared Harris, Matt Smith, Tyrese Gibson. Um, at number nine, it's another comic book movie. This time it's Matt Reeves, the Batman. Reeves co-wrote it with Peter Craig and uh, Bill Finger. We got Robert Patterson, Zoe Kravatz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Paul Danu, John Tarumo, uh, Andy Serkis, Peter Sarsgaard. You know I mean, at number eight, I don't know what the fuck this is. Right, it's KGF Chapter Two. So it looks like KGF stands for Cola Goldfields. Yeah. Um, I, I have, I have absolutely no clue what this is. Um, it's directed and written by Prashana Neel. Um, I think it's an Indian film. Um, I might be wrong, but yeah, that's all I know, people. Um, which means at number seven is a beast. So this is written and directed by Michael Pierce. Um, We've got Jesse Buckley, Johnny Flynn, Geraldine James, Charlie Palmer Rothwell, Emily Teal. Yeah, I don't know this. Although I feel I may have come across it in the on the festival circuit. I don't know. Um, but our number six film is The Bad Guys. Um, yeah, all the info's disappeared for that one. So, um, yeah, The Bad Guys. Um, <laughs> number five, though, people, is Operation Mincemeat. So this is directed by John Madden, um, written by Ben McIntyre. Well, it's adapted from Ben McIntyre's book, and it's written by Michelle Ashford. So, uh, yeah, starring Colin Firth, Matthew McFadden, Kelly MacDonald, Rufus Wright, Ruby Bentall. Right, um, which means our number four film. I feel this is new, right? I feel this is a new one. It's the Northman from Robert Eggers, and from all accounts, it is pretty fire. Eggers co wrote it with Sejon. 
It's starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Cleese Bang, Ethan Hawke, Anna Taylor-Joy, Gustav Lindt, Elliot Rose, William Dafoe. It's that. So our number three film, it is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Well, it's Easter. It's been Easter, right? So the kids, all of that jazz. Um, so yeah, this is from Jeff Fowler, um, written by Pat Casey, Josh Miller, and John Whittington. So I'm Ben Schultz, Idris Elba, Colleen O'Shanzi, Jim Carrey, James Marsden, Tika Sumter, Natasha Rothwell, Shamar Moore, Adam Pally, Lee Magold. Our number two joint, it is Fantastic Beasts, The Search for Dumbledore. So David Yates back doing his thing. Um, Steve Cloves, um, yeah, adapted a screenplay from J.K. Rowling's. Got Mads Mikkelsen, Ezra Miller, Catherine Wollstone, Jude Law, Eddie Redmayne, and the crew. And our number one film, it's The Lost City. So this is directed by Adam and Aaron Nee. Um, Adam, he co-wrote it with Dana Fox and Oren Uzel, starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Daniel Radcliffe is there. Divine Joy Randolph, Brad Pitt. Oscar Nunez, Paddy Harrison. Um, yeah, that's our top 10 people. So we have got three films. Yeah, three films, right? A um, couple of new ones. And, a, you know, we finally get to uh, take a look at an older one. An older one, it came out end of last year. You know what I mean? Um but it's a two-parter as well. So, yeah, we are bringing the goodness to you, people. So, let's sit back and get into this week's reviews. Okay, so let's get it popping off with a documentary about climate change. It is 12th Hour. Okay, people, so Earth Day, right? It always brings different things looking at the environment and the world we look in. And a new documentary is called 12th Hour. Now, this is a look at climate change. And I have to say, it's a, it's a slightly different approach to um, a lot of the stuff that we usually see, which, yeah, I feel it was intriguing, right? So this is from um, director Susan Kukira. I feel that's how you say it, Susan Kukira, right? I believe it's written by Jim Swift, who also produces and executive produces the piece. Uh, Kakura also, actually, she edits the film as well and is the cinematographer. 
so the music is composed by Ralph Vaughan Williams and sound design is Doug Peterson. Um, there is a host of uh, like researchers, scientists, you know, that kind of people's um, who contribute. So we have Peter Russell. He's a physicist and an author. There's also Dr. Paul Piff, Associate Professor of Psychology at Berkeley. Uh, Dr. Maureen O'Hara, Professor of so Sociology and an author. Dr. William Catton, a social sociologist and an author. Uh, there's Dr. Thomas Metzinger, professor of philosophy and an author. Dr. Dario Mestriperi, evolutionary bio biologist and an author. I don't know why I'm struggling so much with these words. <laughs> Dr. Richard Dawkins, I, everyone knows Dawkins, right? Evolutionary biologist and author, Dr. Bruce M. Hood, professor of psychology and an author, Dr. Joseph Tainter, an anthropologist and an author, George Dyson, a science historian and an author, Paul Roberts, journalist, author, Dr. Jorgen Randers, Professor of Climate Strategy and an author. There's Dr. Azim Sharif, Professor of Psychology. Dr. William Calvin, Neuropsychologist and author. Dr. Daniel Wildcat, Professor at Haskell Indian Nations University. Dr. Ugo Bardi. Professor of Physical Chemistry and author, Dr. Robert Trivers, evolutionary biologist and author, Dr. Michael Rainey, Professor of Cognitive Psychology at UC Berkeley. There's Dr. Stephen Luandaski, cognitive scientist and author, uh, Dr. Jürgen Randers, Professor of Climate Strategy and author. Dr. Brian Fagan, Anthropologist and author. J. Julius, Fisherman Lumi Nation Tribal Member. Dr. Carrie Norgard, Professor of Psychology and author. Dr. Sue Blackmore, psychologist, author. Dr. Rob Hopkins, founder of Transition Network and author. Oren Lyons, faith keeper of the Wolf Clan. Onodaga Council of Chiefs. Um, and Daryl Hillier, educational film producer. Lumination tribal member. So yeah, all of them contributed. And it is narrated by David Morse. Okay, so the gist is this. 
Climate affects nearly every aspect of our lives, from our food sources to transport infrastructure to shelter and clothing. It is representative of our livelihoods, our health and our future. In recent years, however, science has proven that warmer temperatures over time are changing weather patterns and disrupting the balance of nature which poses great risks to humanity and all other forms of life worldwide. With insight from noted evolutionary biologists, climate scientists, cognitive researchers, and psychologists, 12th Hour explores how human traits evolved to solve short-term challenges for our immediate survival and how we might bridge the gap between short and long-term planning. So yes, that is it. And I think that's, you know, I think one of the, the, the interesting things about this, because it's looking at behavioral change rather than anything else. Usually, right, with these sort of things, the approach is looking at manufacturing practices or, you know, food sources, right? <laughs> How many times have you watched something like this and it's like, everyone should be vegetarian or vegan, which makes no sense, right? <laughs> because it's still not going to solve the problem, right? It's still not a, a, a viable thing. But there's all of these different viewpoints, right? Sometimes it's looking at the science of it all and, you know, that kind of aspect. So this, the approach, I, I thought, yeah, that's something a little different. It's definitely something a little different. And, you know, they, they frame it up with, you know, having these different people talking, right? It is amusing to see um, how, you know, the, these different, you know, brains, as it were, are, are framed, right? You have some of them who, um, you know, are, are sitting in front of computer banks and, you know, one guy's standing in front of a dinosaur skeleton, <laughs> you know, and, it, and it, it, it's just, um, I kind of feel it's just like, you know, they're thinking to themselves, hey, what's going to make me look smarter, right? What's going to, got to respect one dude, because he was just like, I'm just going to stand in the kitchen, I'm going to stand in the kitchen, you know what I mean? <laughs> But yeah, no, so we get these different people and they're all giving their views and their insights into everything that's going on, right? And yeah, we, we get this kind of thought about the way humans have evolved, right? And it's just like, yo, how people used to live you know, without technology and everything like that. So the thinking was, right, how do I get food for today? Because there was no fridges or freezers, you know what I mean? Like no preservatives. So it's just like, right, how do we survive? You know, and it's the understanding of like you knew your local area, but that was it. 
So you only focused on that. And now where we have all this technology, you know, we, we can see what's happening all over the world. Things have changed. Right. And so they're, they're kind of looking at that as, as a reason, because back in the day, you didn't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone, you know, 10 years, you know what I mean, in the future. But now we can, you know, pro project through data, like what could be coming, right? What trends, what effects, you know, certain things will have on the planet, on people and, you know, financial structures, just all of these different things. But we still live with the mindset of, what's going to affect my immediate surroundings rather than what are the things affecting, you know, the world as a whole, which, yeah, you know, you, you can see some truth in that, right? Now, I, I, I think one thing, though, that's, you know, not really mentioned is the fact that, you know, back in the day, right, Humans wiped out, you know, basically the buffalo, right? They definitely eradicated like the dodo, and there's uh, so many other species, which e even know without the technology to go. Okay, how many years now? You know, we can kind of track animals, right? So they. They put animals on the endangered species registers and things like that because they can go, okay, yes, we're looking at satellites and there's only this and many, right? Even without that, you're going to know, all right, I think we're, I think we might be going too hard on these buffalo, right? Or, mm, there's not many dodo left. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there's still things that I think, you could have worked out, but no one gave a fuck about, right? People still hunted them. So I, I, I don't necessarily fully believe that back in the day, you know what I mean? People had a slightly different approach to things, right? And if we're talking about behavioral change, there are other factors that, you have to consider, like the news, right? Now, one thing we do know, so all the, um, gosh, what do you call, fuck, oh my gosh, there, there's a name for people, the lobbyists, that's it, all the lobbyists who told everyone that cigarettes were cool, Right? And they weren't killing people, right? All of those liars didn't go to jail, right? Didn't go to jail, even though they lied. And it's proven they're a bunch of dirty liars. No, they just moved into climate denial. 
right? This is something we know, right? So you have all of these people working for different industries and companies lobbying and trying to claim, oh, no, these things aren't issues and blah, 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 blah. So if you have these people, right, you, you have large organizations and they're all saying, oh, you know, this isn't an issue. This isn't a problem. That as well is going to contribute to people's mindsets of, oh, I think we're going to be fine. Right. But, you know, th- there's other things as well. There's, there's all of these other kind of external factors, I feel, that definitely contribute if we're talking about mindset, you know? If, if we're going to address it like that and say it is human um, evolution that is impacting this because we aren't forward-thinking enough, even though we technically have the technology to be all that forward-thinking, but we still kind of live in the, what's affecting me, right? If we're using that approach, I kind of feel that you also need to address some of these other topics, right? Some of these other factors that help influence people's point of view, you know, because with all of these people, you know, these lobbyists and these other organizations, right, if they're constantly on the news saying a, um, you know, a, a 180 contrast to these scientists, that's going to impact the way people approach this, Right. So I'm not saying what, you know what I mean, what's getting put across in the documentary is wrong. It's definitely interesting, you know. But there are, I, I, I kind of felt there are these other things that should also be addressed. You know, it, it makes sense to do that. And it is one of the issues I kind of feel with these sort of documentaries. Because they never really address the full picture. Every one of them is interesting, right? They all bring up these great points, but they're they're, they're working in unison. No, no, not working in unison. They're working in silos. (laughs) Yeah, it's the opposite of, right? They're all working independently. And it's just like, yo, I mean, you need to paint the full picture for people to go oh yeah that makes more sense right all of these things are impacting so let's try and address some of them at least you know what I mean but yeah this this, look it's a well put together piece very interesting very very interesting could have done without the music Right, it's not that the music is bad, but we don't need a musical bed literally throughout the goddamn film. You know what I mean? Like silence is good. 
I mean, silence is fine. You know, I mean, if, if, we're, if we're having someone talking, you don't need music behind it all the time, right? I, so, yeah, I, I, they, they, I feel they could have done with toning that down a little bit. But, yeah, if you're interested in the planet, right, if you're interested in climate change and you want something different, Right, you don't want to just hear Greta Thunberg yammering on in a weird little way, right? Then boom, ain't twelfth hour people that could be for you, you know? That could well be for you. And you know what? The other great thing about this, right? The other thing that I was like, yo, okay, they're doing that, is the fact that because this is being distributed by video project right and they are distributing it in um like over 500 schools in the states right they they created this outreach program so if a school approaches them they get a 38 page study guide and they get to screen the film you know, you, you they they get a um environmental educator come along to facilitate the whole thing, and that that's pretty cool, right? Because if you're talking about behavioral change, the best way to start is by talking to the fucking kids. You know what I mean? So I just thought, hey, that's I respect the fuck out of that. That's pretty decent, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it's opening up the scope of the piece, right? And I think if we are looking to make any sort of change, you know, then that's where you start, right? That's where you start because they're going to then go home, bug the fuck out of their parents. Parents are going to then start doing things. And yeah, change happens so um yeah people 12th hour it is available i believe in all your favorite vod's and it's also going to be available on canopy for universities and libraries from the 26th right so yeah it's intriguing it's intriguing and um they're dropping a lot of knowledge so yeah if if you are down with climate um and, and down with climate change, <laughs> not just with climate, I like climate, right? If you are down with trying to, you know, reverse global warming, all of that kind of thing, then yeah, people, I, I think you're going to be very interested in what is said in the 12th hour, not D, it's just 12th hour. So yes, there you go, people, in Okay, people, so I said, yeah, we're gonna take a look at a, a slightly older film, and um, yeah, with no time to die hitting prime, it seemed like, yeah, no time to do it, right? So, uh, yeah, we um, finally look at the 25th James Bond film. Okay, people, right? So, last week we got round to Spidey, this week. Finally got round to 
the last James Bond, No Time to Die. Now, there's stuff that, you know what I mean, you can't avoid hearing, right? You know, so I, I knew the big thing that was going to happen at the end, but it was just like, how's this going to happen? And loads of people told me, yo, this is great. So, you know, I figured, yeah, let's do it. Let's get round to it. Okay. So um, this new one, right, it is directed by Carrie Juji Fukun Fukunaga. Hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I didn't pronounce that very well, did I? But I don't know how to pronounce homeboy's name. That's as good as you're going to get. You know what I mean? He directed it. He also came up with the story along with Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. They wrote the screenplay. And then a bit later on, they brought in Phoebe Waller-Bridge to... I, I feel she, like, the initial thing for her coming in was to uh, touch up the female roles, right? To, to ensure the female voices were strong. And I think she also had a little dusty dust of the screenplay. So she gets writing credits. Um, the film is produced by... It is produced by Michael G. Wilson, uh, co-produced by David Pope, Andrew Nukes, uh, Daniel Craig. Oh, and Barbara Broccoli. She also produces it, obviously. Right. Um, it is executive produced by Chris Brigham, um, John Goodmanson. Uh, we've got some associate production from Greg Wilson. Do do do. Uh, Pierre, Pierre Henry Borsch, line producers, and along with Enzo Sisti and Natalie Thompson. Okay, music. It's your boy, Hans Zimmer. Uh, we've got Linus Sandgreen as the cinematographer. It is edited by Tom Cross and Elliot Graham. Casting is Debbie and Jemima. Jemima, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that's, yeah, Jemima, J-E-M-I-M-A. Right, Debbie and Jemima McWilliams. So I imagine they're related. Uh, production design is Mark Tildesley. Um, yeah, costumes Surat and Lalab. Lalab. Right, and our cast. Our cast. Well, Daniel Craig is back. You know what I mean? Old Craigie boy is back for his last run at James Bond. You know, we've got um, Ralph Fiennes. Ralph? Rafe? One of the two. He's back as M. 
Ben Whishaw is back as Q. So is Naomi Harris as Moneypenny. You've got Rory Kinner as Tanner. Uh, Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter. Um, we also have Christopher Waltz as Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, then we have some new additions, right? Um, oh, Leah Sedu is Madeline. Um, Lashana Lynch is Nomi. Um, we have got Mathilde, played by Lisa Dora Sonnet. That is Madeline's daughter. Um, we have got who else do we have? Uh, Billy Magnuson plays Logan Ash, a compadre of Felix. Uh, and there's Rami Malek as Lysifer Safin. Lysifer Safin? I think that's how you... I feel that's how you say his name. I might be wrong. You know what I mean? I think that's how you do it. Anna de Armas is Paloma. Another compadre of Felix's. Um, Dali... Ben Salah is Primo, aka Cyclops, right? Uh, um, oh, Mathilde Bonbin plays Madeline's mother at the beginning, and Colleen Defood plays the younger Madeline that we see. Da -da -da. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty much our, our main crew, you know, there, there's other peoples, obviously, but yeah, they're, they're our main ones that I think, um, yeah, I believe so, I mean, hmm, yeah, no, they're the, they're the mains. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. So, um, yeah, I'm just double-checking because, boy, you can never be too, uh, can never be too, uh, what is the word? There's a word, but you can never be too of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, the gist of the story. Bond has left active service and is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. His peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix Leiter from the CIA turns up asking for help. The mission is to rescue a kidnapped scientist turn... The mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous than expected leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. I mean, right, when the mission is proposed, it already sounded dicey. So 
that sentence, like the mission <laughs> turned out to be more, like the mission was already fuckeries, right? It's a fuckeries mission to, it's a stupid, stupid thing to say. God damn it, I hate these fucking synop- they're just so dumb, so dumb, right? But um, anyway, <laughs> this is the 25th. That's right, people. It's the 25th iteration of our James Bond character. So we start off, right? We, we start off with the whole um, Madeline, her mum's, that whole situation, right? Which is, it's fine, right? They're like, as soon as you, you know what I mean, we get greeted with something like that, you know something's going to go down, right? You know it's going to go down. Now, you do wonder, right? Because I, I kind of feel it doesn't make any sense, right? They're just what happens doesn't necessarily make any sense. Firstly, Living where they live, Madeline would know the dangers of doing the thing she does, right? There's that. Secondly, you would not shoot directly at some, like, it, that, you're kind of like, I, 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 how's a bullet not gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, shoot to the side of, right? That makes more sense. Shoot to the side of, break, pull. Simple. Not at the fucking person. Right? It was just like, yo, what's going, what's going down? Now, I understand. Bullets in film, they, they seem to have no logic, right? Someone could be standing, no shelter, bare people shooting at them, and they don't get hit, right? So we know... Hollywood bullets have some crazy physics to them, but that kind of bit the biscuit. Bit the biscuit? That's not a thing. But you know what should go there. So insert, boom, we're done. Now, we then do that thing. I hate the thing, right? 10 years later. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, because we do the time, well, there's two time jumps, right? Because we have this. Then from that, we go to Bond, right? We, we have Bond and um, the older Madeline now. And they're kicking it. They're on holiday. But, right, so they're married. And they're having these conversations that don't necessarily make any sense, right? The, the conversations are, are kind of feel like, yo, this is what you would be having in those early stages <laughs> of a connection. They're not things that are, are, are being asked after you get married. Now, I say that. Now, yes, they could do. But you're some sort of fucking dum-dum if you've left all that shit. Until then, what are you doing? Come on, man. Come on. Right? Right? But we have all of this. And it was just, right, it's just the nature of that. So again, you know 
something's going to happen, right? And it does. And then all hell breaks loose, right? Which is one of those things. But it's like, you, you, you wonder, right? What is happening? Because Bond, he's, a, he, I mean, he's been working for the service for all these years. You know what I mean? Like, where are the contingencies? Where is the whole, all right, this is what happens in this, this is what happens in this, right? Because there's, there's already these references like, oh, you keep on looking over your shoulder. He's like, oh, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, yo, but you are. So you understand the dangers, but you don't kind of have things in place. It seems seems a little odd. You feel me? But yeah, so all of this, and then we get another, another jump in time, right? And now we've got Bond in Jamaica. So it's like Bond in Jamaica is an odd one because, you know, you kind of get to feel he's meant to be like he's keeping low. The digs he's got, that's no, that, that's not the digs of someone keeping low, right? It's just like, <laughs> what, the, what the fuck are we doing here? What's going on? Uh, but yeah, so this is when he gets pulled into this whole big thing, right? This whole big thing. And we meet the new Bond. Well, I mean, the new double O. Right, we, we meet all of that, and like the way it was kind of sold that, like, this was a but it, it was one of those things that it, it just seemed like it's there to create a friction, but it's a friction that doesn't need to be there, right? And a friction that doesn't really play much into the film right we we have some nonsense like they're both shooting at each other which you're just like why would they shoot at each other you know what i mean because essentially they're, they're both at the same agency even though bond at this time he's in, inactive and all of that right so it makes no sense that makes no sense to me anyway. I'm just like, yo, what? But yeah, so this happens, and we just see all of these things happen. But it's like, again, we have these situations take place, you know, on Felix's point, on James's point, And you're just like, hold on. You are both seasoned operators. How the fuck does this shit go? Like, you're not checking? You know what I mean? Like, it, it seemed a bit reckless, frivolous, their actions. You know, it, that, that was kind of weird. That was kind of weird. We got... um. Anna Diamas, she's in the film. Again, there's this big thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I understand, right? 
You know me, motherfuckers. I'm all about diversity, breaking down barriers, making stories that pop. And like, this is sold. I mean, like, look at all these strong female characters, boom, boom, boom. I, I, I didn't see the point of Paloma. <laughs> Right, like if you remove Paloma from this story, it's essentially still the same story. You know what I mean? It, 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 she's in it for a minute, and there's these weird lies, like, "Oh, I've only been training for three weeks." You know what I mean? Which are just like, eh, obviously not. But it was just, yeah, it's it's all a bit odd. That whole sequence is a little bit odd. The, the biggest part of it was seeing Herclean, Heracnian. Oh, Jesus Christ. I just watched this motherfucking thing and I can't remember the name of the fucking thing. But yeah, it, it was just kind of to show that, right? Which is like, yeah, it's fine. But it, it didn't need to be as long. This is a long, it's nearly three hours. Right, it's nearly three hours, and it does feel long, right? It does feel long, people. But yeah, there, there's all of these things in here that you just like. Do we? Did we need that? Like, what are we doing here? You know, like the the the, the situation at Q's house. I don't know. I. Don't know why it's there. Right? Just for us to find out that, oh, Q's got a boyfriend. Right? Is Was that really just the reason for that? They say fuck around on computers, but it's all shit that could have been done like that real quick. You know what I'm saying? It, I don't know, man. It, it, it felt flabby. The film felt flabby. And... Yeah, we, we have all of these things go down, but I, I, I wasn't sure on the logic, right? I, I wasn't sure because uh, so much of it's random, right? Look, I, I kind of feel when you tell someone, you hide here, I'll be back, means obviously the bad guy's going to find them, right? Then always, always happens, right? Always happens. <laughs> when, when have we seen that shit? And it doesn't. We have people getting into fights. And again, these are seasoned motherfuckers. So you know it's probably best not to leave this hench person alive, Right? And also, if someone's eye falls out, right, and, and you see it's, oh, it's uh, some sort of mechanical fit, you're going to stamp on it. <laughs> you're going to stamp on They're the bad guy. All right, if you're not going to kill them, which, again, I don't know why you wouldn't, right? It's not like Bond is like, oh, I'm a pacifist. Well, Bond kills. That's why you like Bond, because it's not playing those pussy-ass games. He's going to kill a motherfucker who gets in his way, right? So, right, the fact that you don't kill my man, you're just like, huh? But 
you'd be like, all right, I'm going to stomp on the eye. I'm going to put him out of commission for a bit or at least make it difficult for him, right? You break the eye. So there's all of that. But yeah, we, we have these things. And again, right, if, if you're saving a kid at the beginning, like just this whole then thing, right? This whole, if you save someone's life, you own them. I mean, not really. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not really. You could say they they might be indebted to you. They might owe you a favor. All right. But it was, I think I've said, I've said this before, right? You know, in these situations where someone's like, oh, you have to do this thing for me. So go do it. And you're just like, okay, but they could tell someone, right? Is it like it's not like these aren't professionals? So if you go, hey, listen, someone, someone approached me. They've kind of forced me to do a thing. I feel they might be have you know eyes in the thing. So you can't act like we, you know. But this is the this is what's gonna you know this is what they asked me to do, right? You just think. <laughs> that could happen. That could happen. Oh, just Bond's whole reaction with Blowfield is just like, I was, I, you know, I'm not buying. There was no reason for it, right? But you knew, obviously, it's going to happen because when he grabs the wrist, so you you knew that there was going to be some point where he has to do a thing, right? But don't really make any sense. And then. The, the 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 frosting of the ice between Nomi and James kind of comes out of nowhere, which then, as I said before, it makes that whole thing like what was the point, right? Yeah, you know I mean, have, have them have this weird beef and then no beef. It's just like, well, <laughs> why did you even bother? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why are you even bother? But like there's, there's so much that we we then get to you know our, our last third of the film. The motives of um satin still not really clear. I've, I've watched the film. I still don't really get why he's doing what he's doing, right? You can understand in part the whole, I want to get revenge on this person, but then all the other stuff is like, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? You get revenge. Why you then do the next, right? Yeah. Seems odd. That seems odd. And you might think, I'm a little heartless, but that whole end was stupid. I didn't like the end. I didn't like the end because it's like, you're not dying. You know, like, here's the thing, right? It was just like, oh, you can't touch two people <laughs> you can't touch two people i mean hey you haven't seen these people 
right in years and you know like it didn't seem like it was affecting you but then all of a sudden you're like oh every day i thought of you <laughs> i don't buy it you son of a bitch you know what i'm saying like if it's that but it's just like yo all right you can't touch these two people and you can still live your fucking life fool you can still talk to them through pexigars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wear gloves. Right? It, 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 there didn't seem a reason. Now, I'd read, oh, yeah, it's such a powerful moment. And, you know what I mean? Having to make this choice. And no, there was no choice that had to be made. It, it was, it's a non-situation. Right? It's a non fucking situation. He was ready to try and press Nomi. Remember that part in the film? So it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so in love with this person. I can't touch anyone. No, you, you, you showed that you, you could have, right? In Paloma, he was ready to press that. So it's like, yeah. You know, like, look, if you have him heartbroken throughout, and he'd be like, I can't look at another woman, I don't know what to do with the world, and Felix is like, yo, snap out of it, man. If you want to die, come on this mission, because it's a crazy-ass thing. He'd be like, all right, I'll do that. But we don't, that's not what we get. So, yeah, this weird fucking decision at the end, it, it was foolish. It was some foolish shit. That didn't make any sense. And yeah, I, I just hated that part where it's going, I'm gonna tell you a story, right? And then you get the 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 the, the little smile and be like, fuck off. <laughs> I'm just like crash the car, crash the car, fuck you. <laughs> Don't know why. I, I realize that's not rational. I realize that. You know what I mean? So don't judge. I mean, you can judge. I don't give a fuck. But yeah, it just irritated me. I'm just like, why is she smiling? Like, she didn't even know who this motherfucker was. You know what I mean? Also, when little kids are scared, you know what I mean? They, they usually wet themselves and shit. I'm just like, she would have wet herself. She would have wear herself. There's a lot of panic that would be had, which just ain't there, right? Is it which then makes you go, uh, was the situation really that bad? Was it really that bad? You know what I mean? But yeah, like it's not a shit film. Guy is as a mindless action film, it's fine. It's fine. But with all the talk about this, right, and powerful moments and female empowerment, it just seemed to fall flat on all fronts for me. You know what I mean? Because as I said, look, I don't, I'm not against all the, these female roles. I, I said as the film was coming out, boom, don't make um, Lynch 007, right? Make her another 00. Then you've got this character prime for spin-offs. 
because you know she's kicking ass. She's doing her thing. Cool, right? Money Penny's badass. I, I, like these characters, cool. Like Paloma isn't a bad character. It's just it was a waste in the film, right? It was a, a throwaway with little depth, but you kind of think, oh, you could make something out of her. Like, we've already seen with the 355 that, yo, you know what I mean? Women can leave an action film. I mean, we, no, nah, I mean, we've we seen it long before that, right? But the 355 showed this great espionage film with these female agents, and that was cool, right? But, yeah, this Bond didn't really hit me like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the hype, right? Maybe it's the hype that just left it feeling a little meh for me. Maybe it's that. But it's now on Prime, people, so you can go, uh, you know, get your feel on the last Daniel Craig James Bond. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, maybe you dig it. You know? It's your prerogative, right? But yeah, they're my faults, baby. It's my faults. Okay, and we end part one with a look at the unbearable weight of massive talent. The new Nick Cage joint. It's okay, people. So, yo. Oh my gosh, just got home from watching the new Nicolas Cage film, and oh, it is such a relief, it is such a relief, you know what I mean, it, it's funny, sometimes, you know, you go into something, and you never know what it's going to be like, but you just hope, you hope with all hope that it's going to be good, right, I think sometimes it's not just for you, but it's just like, yo, I, I hope this actor, this actress gets a good one here. You know what I mean? And the unbearable weight of massive talent. People, yo, if you were dubious about it, if there was any semblance of doubt in your mind, wash it away. Because, god damn it, this was a friggin' awesome film. Oh, man, it was so funny. Like, legitimately so funny, right? The, the screen was laughing. And remember, this is press, right? Press can be a little stuff sometimes, you know what I mean? But they were, everyone was in stitches. Everyone was in stitches, man. And, and from the giddy up, I mean, I may have played a little part in it, <laughs> but yo, yeah, it, 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 because the scene opens, I was worried, right? Because it's subtitled. And I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> what is happening here? No, don't do this to me, right? Um, yeah, it opens up with, uh, you know, a couple, young couple. They're watching Nicolas Cage films, right? They're watching, um, I think it's Conair. I think they're watching Conair. And everything, 
like it's a kidnapping. This is no spoiler, essentially, because it happens straight away. It's probably mentioned in the trailer. Um, I don't know. I haven't watched it. But yeah, like the, the kidnapping, and you just see the girl get slugged, slugged in her mouth, and she drops. But it was so fucking funny. I don't know what's wrong with me sometimes. It was so funny. And that got everyone else laughing. And we were away to the races, right? That You know what I mean? It, it was funny, but it wasn't a joke. You know what I mean? But there were just so many legitimate jokes. Now, you know, I think mean, on the... Radio One podcast, right? I know that they say if a film is it four laughs, something like that, right? If a film has four laughs, that that's a good sign. This had way more than four laughs. It, it there was just these legitimate funny moments, right? That wasn't just hamming it up. It they were just straight. Funny man, ah, oh, it, it was great. But yeah, let's get into it. You know what I mean? So this is directed by Tom Gormican, who co-wrote with Kevin Etan. Okay, it is produced by Kevin Turin, Michael Nillen. Nicholas Cage and Christine Burr. It's executive produced by Kevin Etten, Samson Mook, uh, with some line production from Jason Roberts and Byron Yaconelli. Mark Isham handles the music. Nigel Black is the cinematography. Melissa Breverton edits the film, casting was Jessica Kelly and Mary Vernonu, and people, give those two ladies a raise, because the casting was, the casting was great, the casting was exceptional, everyone just killed it, uh, production design was Kevin Kavanagh, um, art direction from Zuzaz Kishimati Lachner, uh, Christoph Pater and Janice. Yes, okay. There's a lot of other people involved. Now, our cast we have Nicolas Cage, he plays Nick Cage. <laughs> we have Pedro Pascal. Oh, actually, no, no, we will then go to Sharon Horrigan, plays Olivia, his ex wife. And Lily Moshin plays Addy, his daughter. We then have, uh, yeah, actually, we got Neil Patrick Harris as his agent, Richard Fink. Um, we got Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian himself, as Javi Gutierrez. Um, then there is bzz, 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 Alexandria Mastronade as Gabrielle. 
his um, assistant. Yeah, I think I think that that would be right. We have got um, Paco Leon as Lucas Gutierrez. Uh, yeah, Javi's cousin. Um, now, Catherine Vankova plays Maria, the young lady who gets socked at the very beginning, the prime minister's daughter, president's daughter. Um, hey, we spoke to her at the start of the year, Eli Jane. Um, Ellie Jane, she plays a waitress in a cat chateau. All right, so um, yeah, it was fun seeing her. Um, Joanna Bobbin plays Cheryl. Um, we have Tiffany Haddish as Vivian and Ike Barnaholtz as Martin, the two CIA operatives. Uh, Jacob Scipio plays Carlos. Um, do, 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 do. You know what? There are a few other nice little surprises. There's a few nice little surprises that I'm not going to mention, but it is it's definitely kind of fun when you see the peoples. Okay. Now, the gist of the film is this actor Nick Cage begrudgingly accepts a one million offer to attend the birthday of a billionaire superfan. When things take a wild turn, Nick is forced to become a version of some of his most iconic and beloved characters in order to extravate his wife and daughter from the fan whom the CIA has informed him is a notorious arms dealer. Bum, 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 bum. So, yes, there you go. Now, as I said, look, people, this is fucking great. It honestly is, right? And here's the thing. There's, you know, the plot of the film, like, there's these certain things that happen that you, you know are going to happen, right? But it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of what we see. Because they really got it right, right? Because I think with something like this, when you're trying to be all meta, there's a thin line, right? We've seen it work and we've seen it fail miserably. So there is this thin line. And playing up on yourselves, right? Because, you know, supposedly Cage turned down this role several times, which I can, I understand. You know what I mean? Like, if someone gives you a script and it's like, oh, so it's based on you, but you are playing this weird version of yourself, you'd be like, what? No, I'm not doing that. And especially when... A big thing of this is poking fun of those things people would be saying about you, you know? So, it, look, you, you go on any message board 
any like just things like IMBD, Rotten Tomato, where you can review films and, and write comments. There's gonna be things under some of Cage's films, right? That that stunk. That was terrible. Ah, uh, his performance in there was ugh. And it's like they took that and they played all those things up. Because it's a weird one, right? I, I was talking to my friend after this, and it's like people, I think, forget how good an actor Cage is. Right? When you think of some of the films he has been in, he's been in some incredible films. You know what I mean? Some incredible films, people. Right? Leaving Las Vegas, you know? Like Rumblefish, right? Peggy Sue Got Married, Raising Arizona, Wild at Heart, you know, just some really great films. And then, you know, he, um, like, Adaptation was phenomenal, right? Then you've got the other stuff, like The Rock, Con Air, you know, those ones, Lord of War, you know, 8mm, right? You, you have those really big films, you know, the action ones. And then you have stuff like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, oh god, the Wicker Man, the Wicker Man remake, you know, the bees, the bees, you know, which is just like insane, just so bad. But you're you're just like, okay. And I think that's the thing. There's there's been these bad films, right? But then you throw in stuff like Mandy, which was great. Right, uh, we had what was the other one after Mandy? Um, it was uh, Frack, it was based on a um, the color of outer space, yes, you know. So, you, you I even voiced a character in Spider Man into the Spider Verse. So, Cage has made these great things like Drive Angry was, wasn't bad, you know. What I mean, it, it's like he has had some really good fucking roles but I think you know people just remember some of the bad ones but with this he you know they referenced the good stuff they they poked fun of the bad stuff you know that he's talking about a belt buckle right and that's the great thing you know it reminded me of um Ricky Gervais's TV show Extras, right? Because you had these famous people coming in, but playing up the things that people kind of found ridiculous about them, right? And I think when someone can do that, it's a great thing. And Cage just, they lean into it. You know, with just other things like, um, oh, I know you're a fast runner. How do you know I'm a fast runner? Oh, I, I remember the running scenes from blah, blah film, right? Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, you could drive cars. How do you know? Because you, you said you did all your stunts and gone into 60 seconds, right? There was these little references thrown in, you know, when they, at the, at the very end, they, when they're talking about, you know, the, the villa. The, you know, the way they describe it is going to make you think of another film. 
you know, and it's littered with these things, but it's that's not the infrastructure. So if you don't get a reference or it's just gone over your head, you didn't even know it was a reference, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that's not where the film rests its laurels. No, it, it's these great interactions, these moments with the characters. You know, it's the cinematography, you know, the camera work, knowing when to do a close-up, right, when to pull away. You know, we get these great little moments where we focus on the face, you know, and it's very telling, you know, very telling. Just the chemistry between Cage and Pascal is phenomenal, right? They really work well together, you know what I mean? Hey, it wouldn't surprise me if Pascal, after, after doing this, is like, can we get Cage a little gig on The Mandalorian? You know what I mean? Because they honestly, they work so well together. There is a just this great moment on a cliff. Oh man, you will be laughing. And especially when they jump, and it's just like they jump off the cliff. And Gage is just like, oh my god, I didn't realize the cliff was so high. And you're just like, what? <laughs> That's the nature of a cliff, son. But it was just, you know what I mean? It was said in such a way that just makes you laugh your ass off. Oh my gosh, it is. Oh, he's great. And then, like, so it's playing up on the Cage films, but then playing up the notion of actors, you know, being all up their own asses. You know, I mean, thinking, oh, well, I can do anything because I'm an actor and, oh, this gives me insight into blah, 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 blah. Right? It plays all of that up to great effect with the CIA scenes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yet no one drops the ball here. Everyone gives us incredible moments. Right? And the, the weirdest thing as well. So it's funny. We've got these action sequences. We've got chase scenes. But we also have these candid moments, right? Where, you know, talking about relationships, talking about, you know, the idea of sharing things with people, you know, your loved one, your kids. But then, like, talking about it in a way of, oh, there's sharing things, and then there's trying to dictate things, right? There's these nuances, right? It's just the look at relationships and what is actually quality time, right? What's the meaning of meaningful moments, right? All of these things are there and they really do hit. They really do hit, which you, I don't think anyone was expecting. Right? When you heard this film was coming, you hoped it was going to be funny. Right? You hoped it was going to be that. But at no point did you think it was going to be this sincere, caring, emotional thing. Right? It's crazy. But yeah, it has that. Oh, and I'll say, the there's this sequence at the end, which was so good. Because it takes you from this one moment 
and ingeniously flips it into something else, which then in turn flips into. And it's just like, oh, the way they structured it, really good. And they end it on, uh, yeah, just this really lovely little moment, right? But they don't overplay it. They don't overplay it. You know what I mean? Because I think there's a, there's a way of ending and it being mad corny or just like too false too. But how did they get to that point? But no, the way they bring it down, oh man, it, it yeah, it was so good. It was so good, people. The film drops on the 22nd, I believe, 22nd. You, you need to go watch this film. You need to go. If you like Nicolas Cage films, then you'll love this. If you like these meta comedies, then you will love this, right? If you love things which can inject these touching moments, then you're going to love this. People, people, people. The unbearable... Um, the unbearable weight of massive talent is legitimately, legitimately a fantastic film. And, uh, yeah, if you don't watch it, what are you doing to yourself? People, love yourself and go watch this film, all right? You will Okay, people, so as we draw to a close on another episode, well, part one of this week's episode, let's take a look at uh, what's happening in the world of film. So, um, the new Fast and the Furious film, you know what I mean? Um, Fast and the Furious 10 has started production, and it's got its official title, which... Guess what it is, people? <laughs> Fast X. Ugh. It's not really original, is it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the weird thing is, like, it's been like called, you know, the last part. But the film is split into two, so essentially, there's going to be eleven films. It's not ten films, right? Don't chop the film in half and go, oh yeah, it's part. No, it's two films. You know what I mean? Yeah, dum dums. Anyway, um, yeah. So, um, now I I've forgotten about this game, right? Remember Streets of Rage? Man, it was. Uh, I think that came out like, you know, you had that and Double Dragon. It was before Tekken, right? And and Street Fighter, but uh. Yeah, they're making a film of it. <laughs> well, Sega like Sonic worked, so let's try our hand at Streets of Rage. And they have tabbed Derek Kolstad. You know what I mean? He um yeah, he he's behind John Wick and nobody, right? So they've got him to write the script. So um yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, like, 
it's essentially just going to be a, a, a kung fu film, right? A karate, um, a fighting kind of joint. So, you know, could be fun, right? It just depends how the fuck they decide to do it, you know? Um, so over at Amazon, there's a few things happening there. Now, they are adapting a, a computer game as well. It's called It Takes Two, right? Supposedly, it was in a big award winner last year. I don't play video games, man, so I have no clue. But um, it follows the adventures of Cody and May, a couple on the verge of divorce, transformed by magic into living dolls. Trapped in a fantastical world, they must overcome their fractured relationship and a variety of challenges in order to return to normal, and their daughter blames herself for their fractured relationship. So, uh, yeah. Now, um, Amazon have uh, yeah, signed a deal with Seven Bucks Promotion, right? That's the Rock's production company um, with, uh, I forget, it's something Garcia, right? I feel. Um, but yeah, so who knows? Maybe the Rock will um, play one of the characters. Um, yeah, don't know don't know people but yeah what we do know is um yeah pat casey josh miller uh, writing the film um and dwayne Danny Garcia, Hiram Garcia, Dimitri M. Johnson, and Dan Jevons are producing. So another film at Amazon is uh, about Nike, right? Um, so it's uh, going to be starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Affleck is going to be directing the piece. Um and they're both playing um, the founders of Nike. So Damon is going to be playing Sonny Vaccario. Uh, and Affleck is going to be playing Phil Knight. And it's about how they were able to land Jordan, which was the deal that basically transformed the whole athlete endorsement situation and put Nike on the map and turned it into the juggernaut it is. So, uh, yeah, those are coming from Amazon. Now, Sony, they've um, made some changes to their release calendar, right? So, um, yeah, first, Spider-Man um, across the Spider-Verse, right? The first part of this um, two-part story. It was meant to drop um, at the end of this year, right? 7th October. It has now been pushed back to the 2nd of June, 2023. Boo! Which means the second part is pushed to the 29th of March, 2024. Okay, so other news, right? Uh, the 1st of September is the date slated 
for a third iteration of Antonio Farouk and Denzel Washington's The Equalizers films. Right? So that's coming, which is a bit weird because you have then got the TV show. You know what I mean? But hey-ho. Um, now, they've also got a couple of... Um, comic book films, right, set in the Spider-Verse. You've got Craven the Hunter, which is due in January 2023. And then there's Madam Web, which is set for the 7th of July 2023. Um, then there's also a Lyle, Lyle Crocodile, right, which is now going to be taking the 7th October slot, Right, which is um, a, a slight move up from when it was meant to drop in November. And then there is Devotion, right, which is um, based on a book, right? Um, it's about the Korean War, and it is dropping on the 14th of October. I believe it's a limited release, Okay, so um, also um, got some stuff happening at Netflix. Now, one of the biggest things is um, Will Smith, right? Because old Smithy was a dum-dum, um, yeah, a lot of shit is uh, happening, right? So over at Netflix, for some reason... <laughs> They were making a sequel to Bright. Um, now I know my friend Trimmer, she liked the first one. Mm, I didn't really figure it. it had potential, but it just didn't seem to hit. But yeah, they were doing a sequel, not anymore. That's been cancelled. Um, and also, uh, I think his other projects, Fast and Loose and the Council. They're kind of on hold at the moment. Um, he also has something at net at Disney, um, which is also kind of on hold. Also at Netflix. Now, this boy, you think those jackass boys with all the concussions they have, they might be on the slow side. Hell to the no, right? Because they have signed a deal to release Jackass 4.5 over a Netflix on the 20th of May, right? So Jackass Forever, that was a, um, that was a Paramount film, right? But yeah, Netflix gets the, um, I don't know what you call it, right? But they did, they've done these 0.5s, you know, which are kind of, stunts and things that didn't make the cut for the first film for some reason and other stuff so yeah you know they they, they get to do this and um make even more money so uh well played jackass boys uh so also at netflix on the 15th of july we'll see their um new interpretation of 
Persuasion Drop, right? That's uh, an adaptation of Jane Austen's book of the same name. It's starring Dakota Johnson, Cosmo Jarvis, Henry Golding, Nikki Amuka Bird, Richard E. Grant, and um, it's directed by Claire Cracknell, right? So, uh, yeah, it's... um. A modernization of the uh, of the book, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and on the seventeenth of June, right? So before uh, ad- uh, before persuasion, seventeenth of June is when Spiderhead drops. Right? This is the new Chris Hensworth sci-fi joint. Right? It is uh, written by Reed Rees. And Paul Wernick, directed by Joseph Koniski. And it is uh, based on George Sanders' New Yorker short story. So um, it said that Hensworth plays a scientist who tests mood and behavior shifting drug experiments on inmates at a remote high security penitentiary. Sometimes those experiments backfire and enhance the wrong emotions. The film is going to be starring Miles Teller, Jumi Smollett, B.B. Bettencourt, Tess Holbrick, Angie Milinkin, Stephen Tongan, Mark Paguri, Sam Dillish and Joey Vieira. Uh, also, people, uh, Takeshi Coates, right? I mean, he, he killed it at Marvel with um, Black Panther, right? He's got a Superman film coming, and he dropped The Water Dancer during lockdown, which was a huge success. And uh, yeah, Nia DaCosta is bringing that book to the big screen. So um, Coates wrote the screenplay, so he's adapted his own book. Um, No word when it's looking to get underway, but basically, right, it follows a, a young dude called Hiram Walker, who was born into bondage and loses his mother as a child before eventually losing all memory of her. Now a young man, Hiram almost drowns when he crashes a carriage into a river, but he's saved from the depths by a mysterious power he never realized he had and struggles to understand. So, uh, yes, uh, there you go. And let's end with this, because I think this sounds pretty, pretty cool. Right, so Martin Scorsese, right, he's got the Film Foundation, and they are just about to launch the Film Foundation Restoration Screening Room, right? So it's going to be a free virtual screening room that hosts films restored with the help of um, that foundation, and it's free, right? That's pretty. That's pretty cool, right? So, um, yeah, they're gonna be. It's not just gonna be the films. They're gonna be showing like an introduction 
interviews with contra con the conservationists there will be behind the scenes looks at the restoration process and appearances from a-list fans right so these films will debut on the second monday of each month with screenings starting at a set time and available for a 24-hour window so the first one to drop is I know where I'm going, right? It's a 1945 romance film. And it's going to be introduced by Scorsese and include interviews with fans of the film. Um, Thelma Schumacher, Powell, Joanna Hogg, Tilda Swinton and Kevin McDonald. Right. Also, um, films that you could look out for is La Strada from Federico Fellini, um, Kumati from G. Arandan, um, Edgar G. Ulmer, they're going to be uh, showing Detour, and Arthur D. Ripley's The Chase, as well as Moulin Rouge from John Houston. So, um, yeah, I think that sounds pretty cool, right? Uh, but people, that is it. We are done for part one. But we will be back with part two. So make sure you go check that one out. Because we got a film and an interview. So yeah, you don't want to miss it, people. See you there. Peace.